Hi everyone, welcome to the Restoring Rapport podcast. My name is Seth Hensley and this is a show dedicated to young believers pursuing the goal of healthy marriage and family. You know, we live in a world where getting married and starting a family is far too often postponed for longer than God designed and pushed to the back burner in favor of less important things. But the good news is that it doesn't have to stay this way. As young believers, we have the choice to prioritize what matters most in our lives every day and to live face to face with God and others. Every Thursday and Sunday on this show, I'll be sharing research conducting interviews and reviewing articles on the importance of marriage and family for society. I'll also be releasing exclusive content such as spoken word poetry, allegorical short stories, and bonus episodes for subscribers. Friends, God did not set us up to live life alone. The truth of the matter is that every minute of your adult life that you wait to marry is a minute of your life that you're not spending with your life partner. While some might be content to live with the consequences of this arrangement, I would argue that those who wish to spend as much of their life as possible with their mate are perfectly within reason and soundness of value to do so. It is my deepest hope that this podcast inspires Generation Z to pursue marriage, become the best spouses and parents the world has ever seen, serve with furious intentionality, love well, and discover the joy of hanging the moon for another. To access my sources, subscribe to the show, or get your copy of my latest book, visit anchor.fm slash seth-hensley or check out the show notes of each episode. All right. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 219 of the Restoring Rapport podcast. We are super excited for the content we got planned out for you guys today. As always, this is a podcast about keeping marriage and family as central goals for young believers and prioritizing relationship in a world of many distractions. And today we are super excited to bring you a Substack article by Jeremy Pryor that I have never read before, but based on the title and a brief overview skim of the article, this is definitely going to be something that I want to uh, talk to you guys about. The article is entitled Husbands and Wives Were Made to Work Together. Um, and it naturally, as a show for young believers who are looking to get married and, and trying to find their future spouse, uh, you know, as quickly as possible, this is something that you guys are going to want to uh, read just to help prepare you for the marriage that is coming your way, hopefully soon. Um, if you guys are new here, welcome. Thank you so much. If you are listening, you've chosen to listen to this out of all the stuff that you could have chosen to listen to while you're in the car, working out, cleaning, whatever you're doing. Um, so thank you so much for showing us that honor. And I would also like to say that um, this this show is not for everybody. If you're not a young believer who's looking to pursue the goal of marriage and family, this show is probably not for you. So uh, this is not going to generate a lot of value for you if you are not uh, in that category. So keep that in mind. Um, but before I get into it, I do want to say that uh, there's going to be no video content for this episode because I am trying something new with the audio uh, to see if I can get it to sound a little bit crisper. So no video content today on Spotify for those of you who are subscribed. Um, I'm, again, I'm trying something new to see if I can get the audio to sound better. So really excited for this, though. Again, the article is entitled Husbands and Wives Were Made to Work Together. It was published on November 15th of 2023 by Jeremy Pryor. I will include the link to the Substack article in the show notes if you're interested in reading the full article for yourself. I will try to cover as much as possible. Um, and um, there's no guarantee of I will that I will get to everything though. So I will include that link if you'd like to check it out. He starts off saying in, in a podcast interview that I conducted with Rabbi Daniel Lapin, author of Thou Shalt Prosper, he says something that stuck with me ever since. His wife had a successful and lucrative career before they were married, but during their courtship, Rabbi Lapin asked if she would give him the honor of being the sole provider for their family. He wanted 100% of the responsibility for provision because he felt it was his responsibility and because he wanted her attention to be on raising the children, caring for him, and managing the household. Um, and that's where he ends his first paragraph. My thoughts on that right away are, 
you know, as a recently married man, for those of you guys who don't know, uh, Lainey and I tied the knot on July the 13th uh, of this year, and it was an amazing uh, day. It was an amazing experience, and um, one that I had waited for for a long time. So as a recently married man, I can say that that is very relatable to me, that first paragraph. Um, I, I found myself during this year, just to kind of share with you guys a little bit how our first year has gone. It's been amazing. Um, just could not recommend getting married more, especially as young as you possibly can. Um, of course, doing it in a healthy way. And I, I really relate to Rabbi Lapin there. Um, I think men have a burden of conscience to be the sole provider and to make it so that their wife is not, um, imposed upon to put bread on the table and to help sustain the family financially. Um, I feel like there's, for me personally, I feel like part of my duty as a man is making it so that she does not have to do that, if that makes sense. So that um, making, basically providing enough myself so that my wife does not have to uh, go out and work a nine to five is very important to me. And uh that could just be me. I'd, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. You know, 80% of our listeners are young men, eight, ages 18 to 24. So those of you who are kind of, you know, in, establishing your your incomes and looking to get married in the coming years or months, hopefully, um, I'd like to hear your thoughts on that. But for me, there's definitely a, a burden of conscience, so to speak. I, I would not feel very good if I, we were in a situation where my wife actually had to work um, in order for us to, you know, make it financially. And, and I don't know why that is that you, there's probably some psychological reasons for that, that I'm not sure of, but that's definitely my experience. He goes on to say, now, before we can consider whether Rabbi LePen's beliefs are intended to be universal, I first want to ask a husband or future husband reading this to consider how this makes you feel. How do you feel about the prospect of being solely responsible for the provision of your family? And just as a, as a recently married man, uh, to answer that question, Jeremy, I definitely feel um, that that burden, that duty um, to make to basically provide to the extent that my wife is not forced to to contribute as well financially. I don't think, in other words, I don't want my wife to have to go work a job because you know I guess I just see working a job differently than culture sees it. I see it as a really uh, not a good thing. I don't see going out of the home and spending eight hours at an institutional workplace as a good thing. I don't see that as a, I mean, it's a good thing in the sense that it gives my, my family food, but it's a bad thing in the sense that it's not the way I would like to spend my time. And I think it's idealized as this amazing thing of pursuing your dreams when really working a job is a pain in the butt, guys. I mean, it's not fun. It's uh, um, difficult. It's not something that is to be, you know, idealized and idolized and um, sort of worshipped with your time. Uh, it's a duty that men do for a greater joy. They, they, but I think that the workplace is kind of the cross that men pick up for the joy set before them, which is a wife and children. That's really what, um, that's really what incentivizes incentivizes and motivates men to be willing to work a nine to five and willing to put bread on the table and willing to uh, create a business or whatever you know a stream of income they're pursuing. What incentivizes them to do that is again the goal of having a wife and children. So. The, the the workplace is not the reward. The workplace is the hard thing that you do so that you can get to have the, what really matters most. And so that's kind of what I would throw out there as far as 
I think culture today kind of flips that around and they think family is just the duty and that workplace or the, the way you make money is your hobby and the way you like to spend your time and all this. And for me, that's totally inverted. That's totally flip-flopped. But my workplace is what I go through in order that I can have the things that I really want. It's a discipline for me, essentially. Um, he moves on to say, I can tell you in one word how I feel about accepting, accepting this level of responsibility, and that makes me feel afraid. I grew up on the West Coast, and in my native culture, the money-making responsibilities were most often shared between the husband and the wife. Kind of the dual-income household idea here is what he's talking about. My wife, however, made it very clear to me the moment we began having kids that responsibility would be mine alone, and this prospect terrified me. <laughs> but do you know what else it did? More than any other experience in my life, accepting this responsibility is what practically transformed me from a boy to a man and from a man to a husband and a father. Men, we are built for this. And to not willingly accept this responsibility results in men being complicit in their own emasculation. A recent study in Denmark that tracked 200,000 couples using Viagra discovered that a wife who even slightly outlearns her husband out-earns her husband, doubles the likelihood of erectile dysfunction. Even hyper-egalitarian European societies cannot overcome reality. If we don't accept this challenge, our bodies will rebel against us. Remember, we come from a story where Adam's first instinct was to blame his wife and even God when he dropped the ball. The man said, this woman who you gave to be with me, she gave me the fruit of the tree and I ate. Genesis 3.12 ESV. God's response to that was to give this husband the responsibility to provide. And to Adam, he said, but you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten the tree, which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain shall you eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles shall bring forth for you, shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat of the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face, you shall eat bread. Genesis three seventeen through 19 ESV. Um, he covered a lot of ground there. I didn't stop because he was kind of uh, making a point um, that men are basically made for responsibility. And when we give up that responsibility, that's kind of a Jordan Peterson-esque line that men are made for responsibility and that responsibility with responsibility comes meaning. And without responsibility, you have a lack of meaning, a lack of pur purpose, a lack of drive, a lack of motivation, a lack of, um, you know, basically incent incentive to do things that matter. And, um, you know, I've said this before, I'll say it again on the show, when you remove, I, I think the main issue with young men today is we've removed the goal of a wife and children um, from them, and they are now aimless and stagnant and not doing hard things because they have no reason to do hard things. The goal, the vision, the aim of having a family, that amazing reward has been removed. And so they are pretty much asking themselves the question, uh, why should I get up and go work a hard job to contribute? Why should I do this? Because if we don't have marriage and family, there's really nothing that's going to, no, no substitute that's going to effectively motivate them um, to do hard things and to contribute. Hi guys, this is just a quick reminder that you can use the link in the show notes to send me a voice message with a comment or a question. And so I definitely think he's on the money here as far as what men are made to do. I think we are made to be providers and contributors. Uh, as far as our conscience goes, I don't think our conscience will allow us to, um, you know, do those things without sort of assailing us. I don't think if, I think if you, if you're a man and you're not contributing, your conscience is not going to be in a good state. Uh, and the reason for that is, of course, that you are made to contribute. You're made to give. You're made to serve. Um, you're made to work so that others can have an easier life. Um, you're made to use your strong back to lift things that others can't. 
um, and to provide for them. Men really do. Men, men are hero complex creatures. We really are, guys. I mean, I, nothing motivates me more than being able to provide value for somebody weaker than myself who would not otherwise be able to get that value. Um, being able to step into a situation that is otherwise unsolvable without me and cr- turn it into something amazing for the people involved. That's really what fuels my engine. Um, and, and I think I'm not, I'm definitely not unique in that. I think a lot of men are designed that way and the, and, um, they're designed to get their, their biggest intrinsic reward from service. Um, moving on, he says, but providing is hard and requires a lifetime of hard work. Yes, that's why it takes the man to do it. There's no way around this. Husbands must choose to accept the challenge. And I think he's, he's really driving the point home here, guys, that it's, it's a man's job to provide. And I would definitely agree with that. As I've said over and over, the, the, the lashback counter argument that you'll get when you say something like this is, well, you're saying that women shouldn't work outside the home. You're saying that women should stay home and be housewives and take care of the kids and, and clean the house and cook meals all day. That's what you're saying they should do. Um, and I, I think Jeremy would just respond to that here. I've, I've actually gotten to know Jeremy Pryor quite well. Not quite well, but I'm getting to know him better through a coaching intensive that I'm taking with him as well as I've listened to every podcast and interview that he's done on the internet pretty much. Um, so I, I really know kind of how he thinks. And I think how he would respond to that is he's not putting a constraint on what men and women can do. He's simply trying to help them operate in the areas in which they're inclined to operate by God. So there, everyone will acknowledge that there's a design for certain things. Um, men have a design, women have design, and their design is conducive to certain tasks. Men are strong. They are um, resilient to uh, physical hardship. Um, they are not as easily beaten down, um, you know, physically. And so that naturally speaks to the idea of them actually doing physically hard things in order to make money. Uh, Whereas women are a little bit weaker, they're more, they have a a greater endurance. Um, They are, their physical body is designed better for, uh, you know, holding children and um, doing their, they have better fine motor skills, generally speaking, at least at younger ages. Um, and so th- their kind of, their physical design is, I would say, conducive to, um, you know, housework more than a man is. Now, am I saying that women can't work and men can't, you know, stay at home and do housework? No, I'm not, I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying, um, if it, I'm saying you can choose a way of life that's going to make it easier on yourself, uh, you can choose to operate in a way that you're in line with God's design for your life. <clears throat> and there's nothing wrong with saying that. I'm not being sexist for saying um, that men are designed a specific way and women are designed a specific way. And if they choose to operate within that way, their life is going to be easier. That's not a sexist statement that I'm making. Uh, and I think Jeremy would say that here as well. Um, and, and also, guys, people don't seem to realize this, but something that Lainey and I have noticed in our first year of marriage is that when you don't go with this design, um, with one man working outside the home and one woman um, taking care of the home, um, when you don't go with that, when you try to adopt different modes of working together as a team, um, things can get a little hairy. And here, here's an example of that. So Lainey and I both work right now. We're saving for a house. 
Um, and so Lainey subs whenever she is available for nursing homes as an occupational therapy assistant. I work full time as a, as a salary teacher. Um, that means that on the day she works, there is nobody at our home on those days. So the home during those eight hours a day where we're both at work is not being cleaned. Dinner is not being prepared. Um, groceries are not being shopped for. Um, you know, basically things are not being cared for in the home where we are both going to come back to in the evening. So what you'll find is that if you're both working, you're making a lot more money, but you're also going to come home and end up having to do more work to actually keep the household running. So you've uh, basically, we've both worked an eight hour day on days where we, where she works in addition to me. So when she works and I work, we come home, we have not even started dinner. So dinner has to then be started by one of two tired individuals. Um, we have not cleaned the house or done laundry or made the bed or done anything like that. So then there are more jobs that then have to be done after dinner by, you know, one of two individuals who are already wiped out from their day at work. And so when you neglect one, you know, when you neglect the, the actual physical house and nobody has the full-time responsibility of taking care of it, you end up outsourcing that to both couples who are then already tired from working. And it becomes very hard to sustain that that as a regular rhythm of life. And that's why I really like it so much more when my wife doesn't have to go to work because she can take care of the small things around here that um, need done during the day while I'm at work making money. And then we can reconvene in the evening and have no more work to do so that all of our time, 100% of our time can be spent together. And again, I'm not emphasizing this as a dogmatic, you have to do it our way or the highway or your life is not going to be good. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just simply telling you what's worked for us and the roadblocks and obstacles that we've run into, Lanny and I as a couple. He says the good thing, but moving back to the article, he says the good news is something amazing happens when husbands take this responsibility on. Few things have been studied more in recent years than the phenomenon of how fathers in every country consistently out earn every other group by a wide margin. The much politicized wage gap between men and women is not actually a gap, is actually a gap not between men and women, but between fathers and mothers. Researchers to this phenomenon, researchers refer to this phenomenon as the fatherhood wage premium. But the deeper you go into research, you see fathers willing to work longer hours, stay at a job for more years, and take on jobs that are dangerous or create lifestyle changes in order to provide for their families. Um, I think there's a lot of merit to that. When you think a lot of people, a lot of uh, particularly femi- feminist um, arguers will bring up the the wage gap as an argument that um, women are discriminated against in the workplace and that they are not valued as highly as men uh, are in the workplace. And what I would say to that is, I mean, I think he's got a great point there. I don't think it's a gap between men and women, but fathers and mothers. And what you see is that when mothers have children, they don't actually end up wanting to work at all. And so... <laughs> A business is not going to pay you to not work. And so you have the mothers withdrawing from the workforce or taking less hours or taking long maternity leaves or, um, you know, not basically not working as much and retreating from the workforce and running to the home in pursuit of their time with their children. And um, because of that, 
the fathers uh, fathers actually run to make more money to provide for the child and that's kind of how what what it tends to happen that's where the dice tend to fall as far as how many people are doing what um and they again these 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 studies that he's referring to i've I've looked at some of them and heard lots of very well educated people discuss them and they're they're very well um researched and duplicated they've been conducted many many times and kind of the results are the same it's happening over and over when women have children usually they tend to um, want to spend more time with that child and in doing so they have to give up time at their workplace and women usually end up basically choosing children over the workplace and men end up i would argue because of their you know their physical design as stronger um providers uh, and that that kind of that instinct that that's that factor of conscience that role we've been given to basically you know make it so that our wife does not have to work i think because of that men end up when they have children working harder to to provide and bring home higher wages all right, guys, that is where we're going to go ahead and wrap up this episode. We will finish this conversation in the next episode, but until then, why don't you go ahead and take this opportunity to leave a written rating and review on whatever podcast platform you use, as well as send us a personalized audio voice message, giving us your thanks, questions, comments, feedback, anything at all. Uh, we would love to hear that. It would make us feel super connected to you as an audience member, and it would make the podcasting system two-way. You can also follow the Restoring Report podcast on Instagram and Facebook if you're interested in the content we post there as well. So thank you so much for listening today. We will talk to you all next time.